Welcome to WPCast, the professional WordPress podcast for WordPress entrepreneurs. I'm David. And I'm Doug. This is episode 18, the advantages of moving abroad and working remotely. Let's move on to the changelog. Doug, what's been happening? So this is the last podcast recording for me in the US, at least for a few months. So the next one we're hopefully going to be doing in person in Bangkok. So I'm pretty excited to get back out to Asia. Nice. Looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. So on my end, I've launched another plugin two weeks ago, which is called Easy Opt-ins for MailChimp. And it makes it really easy to create nice looking opt-in forms, opt-in widgets that go into the sidebar of your WordPress site. So we've been working on that for a while and I'm pretty happy about that so far. Uh, we'll probably also soon have a um, campaign monitor and a web version out. So we'll be linking that up in the show notes. Also, I met up with Philip Arthur Moore last week. We had coffee here in Bangkok and Philip is really interesting. So he's been involved in the WordPress community for a long time. He's the main contributor to the underscores theme and he also used to work for automatic and he actually moved uh he lives in vietnam he lives in hanoi and he's been living there for i think almost eight years so he's very committed to vietnam and he really really likes living there and so we are talking about life in asia and wordpress business and working remotely and that kind of inspired uh, this week's episode where we are talking about why we moved abroad and what the advantages of moving abroad and working remotely are so without further ado let's move on to the core first we're talking about approaches so there's different ways to to make this uh, moving abroad thing work and the three archetypes that we've identified the first one would be the digital nomad can you give us some details on that doug so what we consider a digital nomad is someone who uh, travels frequently, so probably spending a few days to you know a few weeks in each location. And this is probably somebody who whose travel is kind of the most important thing, and they're seeing a lot of different places and moving around constantly. Yeah, it's almost like a round-the-world trip while working at the same time. So this approach can be very interesting, but... I'm not a huge fan of it because I think if you're only spending a few days or even a few weeks in a given location, it's just not enough time to really experience a place. It's difficult to get work done because you kind of you kind of need to figure out where are the good coffee shops and co-working spaces, and you know where can you work from. Um, if you if you like to exercise, you need to find a gym, um, find good restaurants, and also you don't have a circle of friends, so you need to meet people. So I'm not a huge fan of this approach. It can definitely be very exciting, but I think you're sacrificing a lot if you only spend short amounts of time in each location, and that's where the semi-nomad comes in. Yeah, so, so the semi-nomad would be someone who spends a few months or maybe even years in a location. And this is kind of a, a better balance where you can really start to appreciate the place that you're in. You can make some friends there because you'll be around for at least a little while. And you can relax a, a bit, uh, get to know the place, you know, get a good working routine and exercise and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I think as a semi-nomad, you get the best of both worlds. So you get... You you don't travel as frequently, but you still get to live in exciting places. But at the same time, you're able to 
set up some routines, the kind of coffee shops and co-working spaces you like, going to the gym, building up a circle of friends. And that's a much better way to experience a place and experience what it would be like to live here as a local. So the third approach we have is uh, expat. So this would be somebody who's living in the same place for years. They really, really settle down. Um, they really love the place. Uh, maybe they have a family that they're starting there. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we've met a, a lot of expats. They stay in the same place. And then when we go back to those places, they're still there. Yeah. So there's definitely advantages of doing that if you really like a place. So the expat might learn the local language or buy a car or buy a house or just some way to really root himself there. So how would you categorize yourself, Doug? Uh, you're, you're in New Jersey right now, but you're about to go back to Thailand. Yeah, so I definitely consider myself a semi-nomad, uh, at least right now. You know, I had done the digital nomad thing, uh, you know, years back, but I like to stay in a place for for at least a month at a time, if possible. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll take vacations to visit a new place where I don't want to spend a long time, maybe just a few days, but then I would rather go back to kind of like a, a home base. And in my case, it's currently Chiang Mai or about to be Chiang Mai again, uh, where I'll spend a few months there. So I think having a home base is a key difference between a digital nomad and a semi-nomad. I've got a place right now in Bangkok and I might go to the beach next weekend for a couple of days, but I'm not going to pack everything that I own into a bag and bring it with me to the beach. So I, th I think that's a key difference. I would also see myself as a semi-nomad. So I'm not a big fan of the digital nomad approach and I could definitely see myself at some point moving over to the expat category, but I, I don't think I found the right place for that yet. Yeah, same here. Next, we'll talk about some of the benefits of moving abroad and working remotely. Right, and so the reason we're doing this episode is that there is a lot of talk in certain communities about moving abroad, but I think there's very few people in the WordPress community from what I know that take advantage of this concept, and that's that's that, that's the reason we're doing this episode, and that's why we want to share some of the benefits. Yeah, so the first one we have is meeting interesting people simply by showing up. And in a lot of these locations, there's kind of uh, hubs where there's a lot of other people that are digital nomads, semi-nomads, expats, etc. And it's pretty easy to connect with the other people and you know make new friends pretty quickly. Yeah. So just by you showing up, you immediately become at least somewhat interesting to other people because you're sharing this path. And another big thing is that it's a very self-selecting crowd. So somebody that moves halfway across the world to some weird foreign country you know, it takes a special type of person to do that. And in general, or oftentimes, that kind of person tends to be a little bit more interesting than maybe somebody who lives a really boring life and just like stays in his hometown and doesn't really do inter anything interesting with their lives. Yeah. So another big reason why a lot of people do this, uh, especially the digital nomads, is for the adventure and the travel. So when you're going abroad for a long time, you can visit a lot of places transportation, transit time is going to be less going in between them. For example, having a, a base out in Southeast Asia, you can easily access a lot of places, short one-way flights. Yeah. So to me, this is a really big reason. Such a amazing 
thing that I can just show up in a crazy city like Bangkok, like I am right now, and just say, okay, I'm going to stay here. And this is kind of, to me, this is adventurous because everybody speaks like a different language and I can't even read the letters because they've got a different alphabet here. And just kind of like, you know, tr figuring those things out and experiencing those things to me is super exciting. Also, there's opportunities for hiring. I haven't done this myself, but uh, David, you've uh, you found some locals. Yeah. So when you're living and traveling in countries that have lower wages than, say, Western Europe or the US, you can take advantage of hiring people there that are still of really good quality, but the salaries there are just much lower so you can take advantage of that and you can you can hire people that being said you probably don't have to go abroad just to hire but it's definitely a benefit of if you're already there it just makes it easier to relate to your employees that you might have in some you know asian or south american or african country if you can kind of understand the culture and also meet up with them in person Another big one is tax savings, and that's also an interesting one for U.S. citizens, which I am not. So you're probably taking, oh, so you, you cannot take advantage of this right uh, this year, right, Doug? Yeah, so I took advantage of, uh, there's a thing called the foreign earned income exclusion, which basically allows you to be exempt from income tax up to a certain amount, which I believe is somewhere around $100,000 yep. in a year. And you have to be abroad or out of the U.S. Uh, for about 330 days of the year in order to take advantage of this tax exemption. So I wasn't able to take advantage of it this year because I've spent a few months in the U.S., but uh, last year I did take advantage of it and it saved me a decent amount of money. Another way um, you can save on taxes by being a little bit more global is the different types of corporate structures. So one thing you could do, for example, is you, and this is by no means legal advice, but one thing you could do potentially is to incorporate in Hong Kong or Singapore where there's a 0% tax on the profits uh, generated by companies that are operated offshore. So you might also be able to save on, on taxes that way. Yeah, it's something you definitely have to consult yeah. someone else with. Yeah, we're not the right people to talk yeah. to about this. <laughs> but but it is something that we see a lot of people in our circle of friends um, to do and take advantage of. Yeah, it's. I believe it's getting tougher, and some especially like for some, Americans. Yeah, so so you do have to be careful about that, and you know, make sure you get all the information before you yeah. go and start. Yeah, make sure you don't break any laws. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, another big one is, especially if you move to developing countries, is the cost of living is just much lower. Or the, even if you spend the same money, the quality of your life just goes way up. So lifestyle overhead is a big one. I right now, like I never do my laundry or I never cook. There's always somebody else who does it for me. And it's really cheap. It's really cheap to go to a restaurant. It's cheap to have a maid or um, to have a cleaning lady or to have somebody do your laundry and you know use laundry service. Th those are the types of things that could end up taking hours each week if you're living in a developed country and you can't afford to pay somebody else uh, to do those kind of tasks. Yeah, so so your your normal living costs can be much lower. Plus, you you can have all these other things. So essentially, you can you can optimize your time a lot better. Yeah. And, you know, especially if there's things that you don't like doing, like, you know, cleaning and, and cooking, just 
being able to avoid doing that affordably is, is a big advantage. So I think this could easily save you like one or two hours every day and just think about what you could do with those one or two hours. You could work more or you could go to the gym, which you've been putting off, or you could hang out with friends or do something you're passionate about. Yeah. Next, we're going to talk about some drawbacks. And one of the big ones is that you're not able to have in-person contact with your clients. So for me, you know, I'd already gotten a lot of local clients before I had done my trip. So it was good in that I was able to establish a lot of these relationships beforehand. But if you're just starting out, it can often be tougher to get a new client or to just get started with some kind of client or consulting-based business if you're not actually meeting any of these people in person. So would you recommend um, to establish a steady flow of clients and relationships first in the U.S. and then move abroad to somebody studying it? Yeah, if, it depends a lot on what you're doing. If you're if you're going the consulting route, yep. then you're talking about consulting. Um, that's that's definitely what I what I'd recommend. At the very least, meet people in person, even if you just exchange business cards, because that can make a big difference in you know you actually getting the business. Okay. Yeah. And so in my business model where I'm saying plugins, this does not apply. But one thing that still is a concern is time zones. And it can just, sometimes it can be a bit difficult or annoying to set up time phone calls, in particular with people in the United States. So with Doug being in the US right now and me being in Bangkok, it's uh, 10 in the evening now um, when we're recording this podcast. And I would probably rather be hanging out with friends right now instead of being at the <laughs> office but so i'm looking forward to you coming back to asia in a few weeks so but that can be an issue yeah. if, you, if you've got frequent phone calls with clients on a daily basis you might have to do them at five in the morning or you know 11 or 12 in the evening which is less than ideal you also have to schedule them in advance yeah and we're talking about asia in this context of course if you're living in south america then the time zone issue can largely be avoided yeah and similarly in in europe if you stay up late then it's not as much of an issue yeah. So another issue which I've started to realize just recently is I do feel like I'm missing out on industry events. So there's all those amazing WordCamps going on in the US and there's this Pressnomics conference, um, which I've heard really good things about. But me being in Asia right now, it's just not going to happen. Maybe, you know, maybe in 2000, yeah. mid 2014 or maybe in 2015, I'll go to the US um, to go to some of those events. But I, I do feel like I'm missing out a little bit on. Uh, industry events and also therefore meeting interesting and influential people in the WordPress community in person. Yeah, this was uh, probably the, the primary factor for me staying for a few months here instead of coming right back to Asia. I've been to a few conferences already while I was here and spoke at a couple. So, you know, for WordCamps especially, they're just much more common in the U.S. And, you know, especially, you know, for where I am on the East Coast, there are a lot that are easily accessible within driving distance for me. Another issue is if you have family, like kids and a wife, this can be a very difficult transition. So we have seen couples and even couples with multiple children make this work to you know, move somewhere and then they would probably stay at least a year in each location because they would kind of base the travel schedule on the school year. But this can be very difficult. And I think it could also be a hard sell to talk to your spouse, your husband or your wife yeah. about, hey, like, let's let's just uproot and, you know, move halfway across the world. So I think if you're a young single guy or girl, this is much easier than if you've got um, a family already. Yeah, definitely. Another big drawback 
is having to get visas and going on visa runs. So with a lot of these countries, you can't stay more than you know a month or so unless you actually have a visa. Uh, usually, you'd get some kind of tourist visa or a long-term visa, and it you know it varies depending on what country you're from and which country you're going to. But you have to learn all of these visa rules and occasionally go to like a consulate or embassy in advance to obtain one of these visas, which can take time. And Thailand, for example, the most you can actually stay in the country is 60 days or 90 days if you go to the immigration office and get an extension. So this means if you're if you're on a tourist visa, then you have to you know leave the country and come back every couple months, and this can be a little bit annoying. So I think it can be annoying, but in the grand scheme of things, it's such a small issue. I think if you really want to do this, you know, some occasional visa headaches are probably not going to scare you away, and uh, it's not like you have difficulties with the authorities either. It's just sometimes you have to kind of go on pointless trips. So I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, well, it does. It does take up some time. It can actually eat up a lot of time, and uh, especially with Thailand, you know, they're getting a lot stricter on the tourist visas. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. So, next issue: some conveniences like ordering stuff on Amazon are difficult to find or non-existent in, uh, especially developing countries. Just as an example, um, I've got a pretty thick beard and my beard trimmer broke the other day <laughs> and now like i had to order a new one from amazon germany and ship it to my parents in austria and now they're going to send it on to thailand for me because it's just difficult to get uh, this kind of stuff especially here in asia where um you know asian males don't usually have a huge um, amount of beard <laughs> so, so 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 there's definitely some inconveniences that sometimes come with uh living in foreign countries yeah at the same time there there are a lot of things that are that are easily available. For example, there's Apple stores, you know, and a lot of the clothing outlets and stuff are, are there in the malls. Oh yeah, like all, all, all the brands that you're used to here. Anyways, let's move on and talk about some of our favorite places just really quick. You're going back to Chiang Mai and you really like it there, right? Yeah, so this, this is going to be for about three months or so. And I like Chiang Mai right now, but I'll probably be moving on to other places uh, in the future. It's, it's a yeah. really good location for the bootstrapper because of the low cost of living. And there's also a big community of, of other digital nomads and semi-nomads over there. Yeah. I'm a city person, so I'm a big fan of both Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and Bangkok in Thailand, which are very massive, uh, large cities with lo lots of stuff going on and lots of energy and lots of simulation. So I'm a big fan of that. Bali in Indonesia is a great place as well where I've spent a lot of time. Uh, another place we'll mention, neither of us have been there yet, but Medellin in Colombia is seems to be a pretty popular place. Yeah, and in Europe, Berlin and Barcelona are very popular as well. And I spent six weeks in Barcelona this summer and it was amazing. I definitely want to go back there. Probably one of my favorite places I've ever been to. Yeah, I've been to Barcelona a while back and I didn't look at it from kind of the uh, nomad perspective but i can i can definitely see how how appealing it is let's move on to the tips and tricks so my tip this week is a tool called schedule once and what you can do is you can sync it with your google calendar and when you have a meeting you just send the person the link and they can then uh, automatically you know choose a meeting time that fits in with what you've specified that works for you. And if you're 
you know, if you're halfway around the world, this is very useful because then you don't have to mess around communicating. Oh, let's do like 3 p.m. Bangkok time, which is like 3 a.m. Pacific time or something like that. It can get very annoying if you if you need to start to Google and translate time zones. So schedule once saves you from that. What about you, Doug? So my tip for this week is the Minal bag. So uh, we'll link up to this in the show notes. So this bag is... Actually, it was uh, designed and produced by two friends of ours, Jimmy and Doug. So we've we've known them for, for a while. And they launched this on Kickstarter. And they had a really great response. And essentially what this is, is it's a carry-on bag that is professional looking and not, you know, just one of these regular backpacks. And, you know, it's it's convertible from a backpack to kind of a, I'm not sure what you would call this, uh, like a duffel bag. Yeah, like more like a duffel bag. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks really nice. It's a, got a clamshell design, so you can actually fit a lot into it. And it's surprising. Like when you look at it, it doesn't look that big, but you can fit a lot in there. It's it's like magic. Um, and anyway, I got this when I got back to the U.S., and I'm excited to finally be able to take it internationally. Very nice. Yep. So that's it for this episode. You can leave a comment or voicemail and find the show notes with links at wpcast.fm slash abroad. If you like this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.